And then as the first band sets up, I see everyone lining up on the other side of the ramp. I'm like, of the dirt pile. I'm like, oh, they're not going to do what I think they're going to do, are they? And the band starts playing and the motorcycles start jumping the stage while the bands were playing. Like they were leaping over the stage and jumping it onto the other side. And welcome back to Banecdotes. I'm your host, Phil Paxton. How do I sound, guys? We got some upgrades up here in the Banecdotes Laboratory. That's a working title. We haven't really worked out anything cool with that yet. Don't forget to like and subscribe, rate and review. Check us out on Instagram at Banecdotes. That's B-A-N-D-E-C-D-O-T-E-S. And if you want to be a guest, if you want to be a part of the show, shoot me an email. Banecdotes at gmail.com. If you got a single coming out this month or next and you want to be featured on our new music of the month episode, shoot me an email. Let me know. Let's get it featured. Let's that's what we're here for. Right on. Let's move right along on to today's show. Today I have none other than Lucas Fancy. He plays bass in Pillars of Autumn, and he also does vocals in a band called Occultic. They're both really cool bands. He's also a host of a podcast himself called Killer Kaiju, which features, it's like a commentary show where they watch old school Godzilla movies and you could, you can watch along, you can play the episode while you watch the movie and listen to them commentate to it. It's really cool actually. And Lucas is full of all sorts of knowledge from old school Godzilla movies that you didn't think that someone would be knowledgeable about. Like that sounds like a dig, but it's not, it's, it's the fact it's really interesting. I checked out an episode and it it's, he talks about, you know, in this scene, he's a up, you know, Godzilla's a puppet in this scene. He's a, like in a suit, you got to check out their episodes. It's really cool. And cats out of the bag. I'm going to be a guest on one of their shows. I'm really excited. <laughs> I'm either going to be the best or the worst guest that they've ever had. Because um, I'm just going to probably make jokes the entire time. Because I'm not really familiar with Godzilla myself. Um, as far as the old school movies. You know, Godzilla versus King Kong. Godzilla versus Mothra. Like, I'm familiar with them in that sense. <laughs> That's as far as my knowledge goes. But I've never really watched them I think I maybe watched them when I was a kid. I haven't watched them since I've been an adult. But anyway, I'm really looking forward to it. That's going to be a great time. I'm going to quit talking, and we're going to move on to some music. This song is called A Nyctophilic Conjuring. I think I got that right. I know he taught me how to say it, and I think I got that right. A Nyctophilic Conjuring by Occultic here on Banecdotes. <laughs>
Lucas, how are you doing? Thank you for joining me today. I am doing fantastic despite everything going on, actually. <laughs> how are you today? Good, good, good. Uh, so what have you been up to during the pandemic? Oh, man, I'm such a crossroads because obviously I'm just sad because shows and band practices a million times harder and like it's tough not seeing everybody. But uh, uh, I'm not going to lie. I love not leaving my room. <laughs> <laughs> I've got everything I need otherwise than that here. And I've actually uh, just really utilized my time doing like little hobbies and things I've always wanted to get done and like learning things I haven't done before and stuff during the pandemic, pretty much just using my time as effectively as I could living at where I do during this. So that's great. That's good to hear that. I, I can totally relate with that. Uh, Cause during the pandemic uh, I've been playing like drums more at home and, and yeah, I started a podcast. So like <laughs> here we are being creative. I love that. Oh love yeah. Um, so I let the listeners know what you do, uh, but tell us in your words, your role in the Ontario heavy community. Oh, geez. Well, uh, at the moment, um, I play uh, lead. I'm lead vocalist in Occultic, a uh, local metal band. Um, and uh, I also do a lot of uh, recording and like side producing for a lot of bands as well, trying to like help out in that kind of area, too. Because as much as I love playing music and doing that kind of thing, I, I love pushing my friends and my peers like past where they can normally go and see and help in ways that they don't see and can't help themselves. So. Um, that's pretty much how, like, I would say I've really contributed to, like, the scene in that hole and, like, really tried to, like, push out into, like, other, like, branches of people who normally wouldn't come to metal shows and try and, like, work that way. That's what I've always, like, had my main goal set for, like, overall the metal community in the area. So that's what I've really worked towards. Right on. contributed there. Cool. Um, so you and I met uh, just kind of just playing from some local shows together. Uh you tell me some of the bands you used to play in before Occultic and uh, Pillars of Autumn. So I, uh, years and years and years, oh God, <laughs> going back probably to like when I was first starting high school, um, I started a band basically with a friend of mine, uh, Josh, Josh Abbey. I don't know if you, uh, shout out Josh. to Josh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, hooked him, I, I hooked him up the job he's currently working at. Oh, right on. Beautiful. Right on. Let's hope <laughs> he's, he's great listening guy. right now. I hope so. I, I love that guy <laughs> so much. Um, so basically, uh, funny story be it, um, he was really like one of my first really like good friends that I established uh, after really getting into music and that kind of way and really coming into the scene. He was the first friend I really made coming into that kind of environment. And uh I started playing guitar not too long ago, just coincidentally enough, <laughs> before I met him. And uh, he's always wanted to start a band. He's been in a few little things before I met him when he was, like, younger. And we were just young at that time, you know, asking parents for money, pedaling by with, like, barely being able to get a side job because we were, like, what, like, 16, 17 probably <laughs> at the time. Like, uh, and it was silly. And uh, then we ended up uh, starting a band essentially because he had a couple people he dragged together trying to start like a little metal core band. The only way I could describe it is just like basement Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> 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 it was uh, it was something else. And uh, yeah, after that, we ended up developing into uh, Deception of Eden, which was our first official like I think the first official metal band I think I've actually played in that we actually performed and had at least a solid lineup stayed long enough to be relative in the community 
and loved playing with those guys. And honestly, everything afterwards definitely contributes to like a member of them in some way. I definitely stayed connected with them for a long time. They were like the heart of like <laughs> why I started playing in bands and stuff like that. So I've always kept them around remotely. Uh, branching off there, I also played in like uh, Simulation Freedom which is another band I was in as well, which was uh, a group of guys that kind of all formed together and we got together after May Sorrow set sail, eventually kind of departed, um, which was funny because I kind of knew Dev for the first little bit during that time um, and we were friends and that led up to obviously POA and stuff like that too, <laughs> years <laughs> later. Um, but yeah, I was in Sim Freedom. They were like a prog metal band. We played a few shows here and there. Like we played a show with Mandroid Echo Star contortionist a few here and there i played guitar in both those bands and after that i think after some freedom fell through just because of like uh, creative differences and people moving away i uh, had really lost the drive to honestly play guitar in a band oh really yeah yeah i don't know if it was like uh, a lack of just being let down and putting my all into the last two projects in that area area and just not having the drive and being like, well, I'm not going to waste my lack of motivation and drive in this project if I don't have it at the moment when someone else could fill that spot way more gloriously. So, so then I took a break for a while and I really wanted to get into voice acting and stuff like that. So, and that kind of led me to doing vocals and Josh obviously pushing me because he wanted to do a dual vocalist thing at one point. <laughs> so uh, we were kind of leeching off each other and all that. And that led to a few side projects, which eventually uh, just gave me the tools I needed to start Occultic in the future. That's awesome. That's and awesome. Stuff like that. So that pretty much leads up to where we are now. But uh, so uh, Occultic put out. Uh, I'm probably gonna I'm gonna butcher this. Night night nightotic. No no night <laughs> night. You can how, do it. <laughs> Nectoth. No, I can't do it. How can you say uh, nectophallic? Nectophallic. Okay, I'll get nectophallic that. conjuring. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Colter put out uh, a Nyctophallic Conjuring in 2018, which was a haunting record. It sounded really good. Uh, can we expect any new music coming soon? Absolutely. Honestly, like we were so pumped to put out something as soon as possible, but um, the pandemic hit and uh, we were already kind of getting really busy with other things we had going on before that. And not to mention uh, our drummer had recently had surgery and was pretty like a uh, high risk at the time too, when it hit. So when we didn't really know much about what was going on, we really wanted to make sure we just kept him safe and our family safe at the time. But uh, luckily though, we've been in contact a lot more recently trying to get them to record stuff from home and send it over so we can compile it all together. Cause uh, like the new record's finished essentially like it's uh i'm happy to say that it's pretty pretty done it just it's pre-pro right you got to polish everything up and add final touches on everything make sure everyone gets their thumbs up on the product before it gets polished over and finished so that's just really unfortunately the halt we're at right now trying to get everyone to be able to do that from home awesome yeah and actually i believe that it's funny you mentioned that because uh the last time i believe i saw each other in in, in person was uh you played sinner's last show march 1st and 2020 at yep. the warehouse uh so uh yeah it's it's a good thing that everyone kind of went in 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 and and did their roles due diligently and made sure that you know your drummer especially you know wasn't at risk yeah what have been some of your favorite ontario bands within the last year or so well you know like uh <laughs> thinking about that the only way i could do it is like just going to see what i listen to the most often and 
Uh, the two bands I definitely listen to from the area the most are uh, I love Ocular Trauma. Yeah. Those boys just slap the most slap could ever be slapped. They just <laughs> and they always seem to impress me, and they're just the sweetest people. Just to put the icing on top, that's a a phenomenal project those guys run there. Totally. And um, another one to kind of sway away from like the metal side of things, I really enjoy. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Tragic Heritage. I haven't. They're a, they're a local band. They're super, super great. Really nice guys. They're kind of like a progressive, like fusion rock band. They're, uh, they're really good though. They really, they really surprised me when I listened to them. They were just some friends of mine and they, uh, oh yeah, they've always been like involved in music and out at shows. And then they dropped a record and I was like, oh shit. Okay. And so I listened to it and I just love that. I jam it in my car all the time. Rain or shine. It's great. That's awesome. That's super cool. So I've been told that you're a big fan of video games. Yes. <laughs> yes, now, I, I am a nerd across the board. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, I've recently been playing through the Mario All-Stars, uh, like the one they released for the Switch that has a uh, Oh, yeah. Sunshine Did you get digital or physical? I got the digital. Yeah, same, same. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> tits up enough to get the physical, that's for sure. <laughs> um, they're undeniably good games, but the soundtrack is outstanding. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a bit, a bit of a big question, but what are some of your favorite all-time video soundtracks? Video game soundtracks. Oh, I mean, the one that stands out immediately is anything from, from software, like any of the Dark Souls, Bloodborne, those soundtracks are just just incredible like yeah. anything they do is just incredible um other than that like i do enjoy like uh, anything nintendo like honestly as silly as it sounds like the mario kart soundtracks oh, cool. they the, the bass lines and they're just so jazzy and just ah, <laughs> oh, they just they amp you up you know what i mean they just get you going uh, but anything throws me back harder than like a classic nhl soundtrack though you know what i mean like a nhl 2004 all those classics and the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater soundtracks, which are just go down legendary always, right? Oh. You get CKY and Deftones. Yeah. So that's, that's the good shit. Yeah. <laughs> but that's more like bands brought in, not so much scores written for games. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you, you exclude the the all untouchables like the Halo soundtrack and uh, and stuff like that. So. Right, right. It's funny. It's funny you say uh, like you know, Bloodborne's and the and like the Dark Souls. My uh, when I, when I play D and D, anytime that we're playing like a uh, like a badass boss or something, my DM will play Cleric Beast every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a must. <laughs> exactly. Think shit's about to get real, so you know we got to do that. Um, so I actually I have a bit of a hard time keeping up with current gen games that aren't Nintendo. Um, maybe just because I'm just getting old. But that being said, I'm a huge fan of games that I uh, played growing up. What are some of your favorite games that you played growing up that really stuck with you? Oh, oh my goodness, that's throwing me back hard because obviously I'm, I'm so in touch playing games all the time. It's hard to think about ones I used to play. I mean, I grew up playing Unreal Tournament for sure. Um, my dad is a huge nerd, huge gamer, almost as much as I am. And that's definitely where I take most of that from. Um, so we grew up playing a lot of video games together. Um, so we definitely, yeah, we played a lot of Unreal Tournament was definitely the big one. Um, anything with monsters in it, fighting games, like I'm a, I'm a huge monster fan. Anything to do with like destroying cities and screwing each other up, whipping each other through stuff. That's always a good time. So uh, flashing back to that, yeah, talking about scores, though, uh, 
I know it's not games necessarily, but anything by uh, uh, Ifakube, the um, composer who does all the stuff for like uh, Toho's movies, like Mothra, Godzilla. Okay. That those scores you can you can play those all day long. Like that's my real <laughs> shit right there. <laughs> right on. So I, I imagine you've already watched the new Godzilla and King Kong. Oh yeah, I I don't want to admit to how many times I've seen that already, man. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> so, so I I I haven't watched it yet. I I gotta get around to it. Um, but yeah. like I'm looking for it. I've always loved the you know Godzilla and and King Kong, Mothra's and all those bad yeah, King Ghidra and whatever, right? Those, yeah, those, those, those are all badass monsters. I I could definitely relate with that. Uh, so I also hear you're uh well, I mean you've already mentioned that you're a nerd, so I can I I've been told that you're a comic book fan as well. Oh, hell yeah. What's your favorite comic book here? Oh. I mean, just by what I've loved the most for the majority of my life, I'm Batman. Yeah. Huge Batman fan. Um, I've really always loved the uh, the lore of Batman. Bruce Wayne, I can, yeah, I can get it. Like, Batman's cool and all, but I more really like the, uh, the world that creates around Batman, like his sidekicks and uh, when it comes down to that stuff. Um, but I really like the stuff I really love watching and reading and getting into now the most is like uh, Shazam, Shazam and like the Lantern Corpse and stuff like that. I'm much more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy. Like, uh, honestly, the movies that they like the Russo brothers and stuff have been putting out for Marvel. Like, I like the new Marvel films and they're really great, but uh, I'm definitely a DC guy. Marvel movies is the only thing that's ever turned me besides those like X-Men and the early Spider-Man films and stuff like that. So, but comic wise, and I've really enjoyed DC. So I'd have to say probably Shazam, Shazam or Batman. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> Can't make a decision like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. I know it's a big, of a, it's a I'm bit... looking to my left of my shelf of collectibles and I'm like, Oh, which do I trade? I, I can't hurt your feelings. <laughs> uh, so I haven't seen it yet, but I've, did you see that? How did you feel about the Snyder cut of uh, justice league? Oh, it was, uh, it was phenomenal. I, I, it mainly gave me flashbacks of being so excited to see when the uh, original came out, the theatrical cut. And I was so happy. I waited in line. I was going first screening, first day in theaters, so happy. And just being so, I can't fully say I was like, you know, pissed off at the end. I was definitely disappointed. Like I still walked out saying, you know, like it was okay because like I did get to see some of my favorite characters come to life. And it was like, you know, I don't want to trash it too much. But then after it set in, like I really grew to hate that movie, especially when I watched it at home and I didn't have all the gid of like being excited for it. And then hearing the news of what happened with Snyder and all that and being what he was dealt and then even worse seeing with Josh Whedon and what he, how he was treating people on set, mm-hmm. it made me hate it even more. And to see the Snyder cut come to tuition, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was really great. You can definitely see where he touched it up and really where his emotion came from, everything he was going through when he made the cut. And I think that's great. I, people really want it to continue, but I just don't want to see Zack Snyder be put through warner brothers grasps anymore as much as i'd love to see the story continue unless he's doing it with hbo i wouldn't want to see him get stuck in a crappy scenario with them telling them what to do again fair enough yeah no that's yeah. great but it was great um now i'll be i'll be honest with you i am more of a marvel cinema fan like i, I like the the cinema series i can't yeah. say i'm much of a com like i i I'll be honest, I didn't read much of the comics growing up or anything. But as someone who, who said that you are a DC fan, how do you feel about their movie representation altogether compared to the Marvel series? 
you know, I, I, the, the Marvel movies are just great films. Like when you're talking about them as films, the Marvel series does a great job. They, they connect everything. They could have had Humbaku and somebody else, and it would still be the best, you know, movie just because it's a great story. They've got great setup motivations and they cast their characters phenomenally. Um, but the DC films have better, like they have potential to be up to par with those movies and especially with the theme that Snyder set and like making it very different from those movies, I felt like the uh, if it had the more freedom to do what he wanted to do, they could have been their own thing and been good. Because I think trying to be like the Marvel movies was dumb because, you know, it's not falling in suit, like do your own thing. And that's what it felt like they were going with, you know, when we got Man of Steel and like something like the original there. And like when we got like, I mean, Watchmen wasn't DC continuity, but like Watchmen was the same idea. Batman versus Superman, you can tell that the studios started to get their hands muddied in the water a little bit. And then when the director's cut came out, you can tell he tried to fix as much as he could with, but his hands were tied by the studio. And that's when you can really tell the difference that the Marvel movies are just way better because they truly have the freedom to do what they want. And they have a setup of what they're doing. Well, DC's just Warner Brothers is what's ruining it. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> now that I think they've realized that and they've messed up, they've made their mistakes and they're seeing how fans react when they make the extra effort to really make it what they want. I think hopefully they'll correct their ground they're on. Like I've seen them talking about the new Batman movie and stuff and how all these movies are going to take place on like a separate multiverse, like Earth 2. And hopefully they kind of just like reboot it somehow that way. That way they keep the old stuff still in continuity. So they don't erase too much of what's already been all right, I would say. So, but Marvel movies are way better. I agree there. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Right on. I love, I love that you're passionate about like, like you, you speak so passionately about uh, all, all, all the movies and whatnot. It's, it's great to hear. Yeah. Huge cinema buff. <laughs> That's for sure.
Right on. Let's get into some anecdotes. Uh, tell me some of the wildest stories from either being on the road or in the studio or anything in between. Oh, God. I've got some silly ones, especially like when I was younger. Because obviously when you're younger, you're willing to do this craziest stuff, the stupidest stuff just to get where you want to be, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember being in Deception of Eden and uh, it was like probably our first show that wasn't more than just our friends. Um, oh, it's stretching my thought here. It's a long time ago. Welland, I believe it was. Um, they were doing a motorcycle event of some sort where they were doing racing, dirt bikes. Strictly dirt biking, by the way. Motorcycle would not been the proper term there. <laughs> it was dirt biking. You wouldn't put a beautiful motorcycle through any such harm there. Right. Um, and they were doing jumps and flips and stuff. And uh, we didn't really know what we were walking into. We just kind of knew because Josh had known one of the guys in Headshot. And Headshot, I don't remember if you remember Headshot. Oh, that yeah. Band. But they were playing that show. And we played with them. And uh, I, I couldn't tell you who the other band played was. But they did not belong there. That's all I remember. <laughs> And uh, they were doing crazy stuff. They had this stage set up. And it was essentially just uh, a back of a transport truck with the top off. So it was just the, the sitting rack. And then they had, that was the stage. And they had a canopy above it kind of to protect from mud and water. And then they pulled it up next to this giant dirt pile. I'm like, I wonder why they did that. Is it so if it rolls down the hill, it'll get stuck or something while we're on it? That's a little sketchy. Okay. And then as the first band sets up, I see everyone lining up on the other side of the ramp. I'm like, of uh, the dirt pile. I'm like, oh, they're not going to do what I think they're going to do, are they? And the band starts playing, and the motorcycles start jumping the stage oh, while the bands were playing. Like, they were leaping over the stage and jumping it onto the other side. <laughs> I had no idea. We were not informed. We weren't asked if this was going to be okay. I'm like, I sure as hell hope they're not doing that when I'm up there. That's terrifying as hell um everyone else obviously was super stoked for it i'm sitting there being like screw that oh my god but uh we ended up playing uh, after that band and it started getting a little cloudy and started to rain a bit so i was real nervous uh, especially with the jumping us right with the mud and crap <laughs> so we start playing and they're jumping us and it's nervous as hell, nerve-wracking. This is only our like second show, third show, first one in front of people I don't know. And there's motorcycles flying over my head. I'm like trying not to die while trying to remember my guitar riffs and parts here. It was just silly. But then the rain picked up heavily, like two songs in. Got so bad we had to stop. They stopped jumping us. They stopped playing because it was just way too raining. Uh, we packed up everything, trying not to get it soaked, rushing it into the truck like maniacs. Because <laughs> there was no cover. We were literally in the middle of a field. Wow. I just remember poor John, our guitar player there. John just tilts his guitar over and just water poured out of his pickups. It was, oh, oh man, it was oh. so sad. <laughs> but it was a great <laughs> show. But And I remember like just us like leaving that and being like that was fun we didn't even take the money we just got out of there we're like that was crazy let's just stay out of there those people were nuts that's insane it was pretty crazy man i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah i don't think i'd ever forget that doesn't but. sound like you will no no it's, as you can see it's a permanent scar <laughs> terrified of dirt bikes terrified of trucks terrified of storms the end yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, other than that, like I've had a few crazy events like basement shows, you know, where like people are getting a little crazy. I, I remember we had this one uh, bass player of ours who played bass with us for the majority of the time in that band. And he uh, was a drinker, heavy drinker, and he's proud of it. That's right. Uh, and his name is Tyler. And uh, he's a super nice guy, though. 
And uh, <laughs> I remember they had one of those little mini Heineken kegs. I don't know if you remember keg. They had the Heineken mini kegs things. Yep. I remember one guy brought it and we were playing a basement show and that was his highlight of his life was when he was playing bass and it was during like a breakdown and someone like put the keg up to him and he drank the keg while he was playing the breakdown. <laughs> I swear to God, every time we talked to anybody, that'd be the first story he told. He was so proud of it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, other than that, like, I mean, like, when it comes to stories for like occultic too, I mean, like we tend to keep it pretty chill and like pretty relatively tame and stuff like that. And unfortunately with POA and like in Pillars of Autumn, when I joined, I only played two shows uh, with them before COVID hit. And then we locked down, which is a damn shame because I, uh, it's essentially like giving like a, like a, a real golden opportunity. And then it'd be like, Oh, just kidding. Now you got to wait like a year. Oh, two years. Oh, how long are we going for? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously we're still working on stuff and everything. And I, I we, we talk all the time, but um, it was definitely like a cock tease to the max. <laughs> <laughs> Have you, what are some of the worst gear share nightmares you've ever had? Oh, well at the, at the headshot show, I do remember one of the reasons we left and I remember there being like, someone stole our, our uh, extension cable or something. It was like, a, it was a cable. That was the silliest part about it. It was all based <laughs> off this cable. And at this point I was like, I'm going to give them the money. I forget who it was, who is, what band it was that was complaining, but I just remember there being a huge disaster outcry about this cable and being like okay well one we didn't take it because half our gear didn't even make it out of that show <laughs> uh and two like if it makes you feel any better what you're complaining about i could probably just go buy for you if it makes you happy at this moment like <laughs> just so you don't pop a blood vessel but uh and then uh i mean there's been always been mishaps where like we've done like gear share and we've had like stuff go missing whether it be like someone like at the venue lifted it off us or like uh, you know, like it's left somewhere and unintended and it's forgotten or mixed mashed. But uh, when it comes to like gear issues, I remember it was when Sim Freedom played. It must have been the Mandroid Echo Star show. It must have been when we were playing at Coco Cabanas when that was open. Yeah. Um, one of the local bands offered to offer up one of their cabs. And I remember going to use it and it was we were on third i think and the second band that played used it as well and whatever tone he was using on his guitar i think they were an eight string band but just popped this thing to hell <laughs> it like i i don't know if like i was just you know caught up in the awe of the first band because they were good and didn't notice how blown this cabinet was but then when he played it i was like well i hope that's not mine and then I look over and my other guitar player, Hunter, has already got his stuff set up behind that amp, ready to go. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm not using the good one. I guess I'm stuck with this piece of shit. <laughs> so I go up and I remember doing sound check briefly, just plugging in just to hear how it sounds. And like, even at a low volume tone, just to hear it, it's just already crackling. And I'm like, great, you know, being like, I'm like not the lead guitar player, but I do a lot of the ambient stuff. So like, it's just going to sound like a crackled up mess. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean that's why it's like gear sharing is awesome but like definitely when you when it's people you trust it's a lot better you know what i mean yeah totally. <laughs> and you know what you're and you know what you're using because sometimes <laughs> it's a little it's like a kinder surprise egg sometimes you get the cool toy you get to put together and it has all the stickers and then sometimes you open it and it's the one that's already put together and you're like what the fuck did i just pay for bro <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's a great that's a good analogy what's your what's your go-to gas station snack 
Oh, man, I'm a sucker for any type of Slurpee. Yeah. Like, I'm a beverage guy to the max. Like, <laughs> I, I love me some, like, Baja Blast Mountain Dew, but that stuff in the bottle just burns your insides out. I think it's because it's extra carbonated because that's right. the ship. But the stuff from Tap It at Taco Bell and stuff is just way better. <laughs> Even canned is more tolerable. But the bottle just kills you. <laughs> anyway, enough about my Mountain Dew hatred. But I, uh, I do love beverages, so I'm always, like, on to the – the Jones sodas and like yeah. the, uh, or like they have the circle case Slurpees or Slurpees at Seven Eleven. That's my shit right there. Right and when on. it comes to snacks, anything that, that, uh, powers the machine, you know what I mean? <laughs> but the beverage that's for the taste and the experience. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Great answer. Well, you know what? That wraps up about this episode of, uh, Banecdotes. Thank you so much, Lucas, for taking the time to do this for me. Yeah, man, it's been a blast. Uh, I feel like we've gotten to know each other a little bit better. Where can the listeners yeah. <laughs> find all your band social medias at? Oh, God, that's a long list. Uh, basically, all the regular socials. So, like, at the slash Facebooks, Twitter, uh, Instagram, you can find uh, Pillars of Autumn and Occultic on all of those uh, bad boys there. Um, except for Canopsia, you can't find anywhere but Spotify because we had an issue with the release there. So, you can find it on YouTube and Spotify for POA's new record. <laughs> But everything else is on all the usual streaming platforms, and you can pick up merch at uh, Big Cartel for POA as well. Right on, right on. So we're going to end the show with Donna the Second Crown by Pillars of Autumn. Beautiful. Take it easy. All right, see you later, bud. See ya.
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Banecdotes. That was Pillars of Autumn with their song, Dawn of the Sickened Crown. I think I said second crown in our interview there, so I apologize. (laughs) And in the middle there, I played a song by Pillars of Autumn as well, and that song was called A Requiem of a Dying World. Super cool name. Right on. Don't forget to like and subscribe, rate and review. Check us out on Instagram at Banecdotes, B-A-N-D-E-C-D-O-T-E-S. If you want to be a part of the show, if you have a single coming up this month or next, you want to be featured on the new Music of the Month episode that I feature at the end of the month, shoot me an email at Banecdotes at gmail.com. If you want to be a guest, if you want to be featured in some way, shape, or form, let me know. Let's talk. Take it easy, folks. (laughs) 